0: Welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we're going to be in the Ephesians this morning. We return to chapter six. Chapter six and. In- beginning in verse 10. I'm going to read uh, those first three verses there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Fathers, we come to your word this morning. We've asked that you would help us as we... uh, Look into your word, I pray that uh, you would encourage us today, admonish us, and help us, Father, to understand the challenge and the warning, the admonition that we might uh, stand in your strength. Father, I pray that as we uh, hear your word, that you would, by your Spirit, uh, apply to our every uh, area of need, we ask in Christ's name, amen. Well, some of you are, are older than I am, but uh, I think uh, most everybody would agree that we're living in a, in a time that is more evil than any time that we've seen before. Really, if you All the way back to the, the fall in Genesis 3, the world has been an evil place. There's no question about that. Um, but in our lifetime, uh, I think we've seen the, the, the activity of Satan's working through influence in the world around us in such a powerful way. Uh, possibly the TV and internet and social media is, is uh, allowing for his activities to be spread and propagated in, in a greater way than ever before. But this admonition from uh, uh, from Ephesians 3 is, is, is as important for us this morning as it's ever been, where Paul, uh, by the Spirit of God, admonishes us to be strong in the strength, the power of the Lord, and to stand firm. And so the challenge for us is that we might stand firm against the temptations, against the agendas of the devil, against his lies, against his attack upon the church. And it's encouraging to know, it's Pointed out last week that uh, the ultimate uh, victory has been won in Christ, uh, won upon the cross, and uh, and so as we battle, as the Lord describes us as soldiers, He admonished Timothy to be to be a good soldier, and so as believers, as we battle in this uh, in this struggle. Uh, he, he described it as a, a wrestling in, in that passage there where he talks about the, the working of Satan and his demons. It's not a far-off kind of distant battle where we can kind of you know, shoot a, a rocket over there. or, or No, it's, it's, it's like the Roman soldiers would fight close in, hand to hand. It's close combat. It's right where we live. And uh, by the grace of God by his power he has won that victory for us ultimately but we have as long as we're here in this life on earth we have the struggle that we're in but we really are not fighting for victory but from victory from the victory that's won for us we stand in that victory and we fight in his strength so what a what a great privilege that is last week we looked at the Uh, At the rebellion of Satan against God from Ezekiel uh, chapter 28 and verse, and also in Isaiah 14. We saw in those two passages the the Satan behind these kings and their pride that uh, led to their rebellion against God. And we also uh, noted that when Satan was cast out of his place in heaven, is um, uh, He still has access, we, we know in, in Job he, comes, he still has access to heaven, but he no longer has a place there. And he's been cast down to this realm of the earth, uh, the, the world that he is the prince of. And he has turned his focus of his attack against man, against the church. He can't attack God. Directly, so he attacks God's work, which God has uh, revealed, uh, going all the way back in the Old Testament through his people, the nation of Israel, and now with the death of Christ, it, uh, in Pentecost, uh, Acts uh, chapter 2, the establishment of the church, we see this attack uh, turned upon uh, God's people, God's work of redemption, and, and and satan wants to keep people out of uh out of this relationship with christ and he wants to to keep us that have a relationship with christ from being effective for christ he wants to defeat us in our this this battle uh that we have Uh, we saw also in genesis 3 there in the midst of this um, uh, uh, defeat satan came and tempted eve and adam followed and, and mankind of uh, uh, being brought under this domain of satan and his kingdom of darkness we saw a glimmer of hope there in, in genesis 3 and verse 15 uh, where the lord established that there's going to be in enmity between satan and eve and between satan's Seed, which would be the, all those that are in his kingdom, and his demons, and, uh, in this world. And then Eve's Seed, ultimately referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that was the real, the real focus that narrows down to the coming of Christ and what he won for us on the cross, that he would uh, crush the head of the serpent, and uh, we, we live in that victory. Christ has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a, what a great truth that is for us. And what a great, uh, great joy and peace that should give us in living the Christian life with all of its troubles, with all of its challenges and all of its difficulty. We, we can live with that uh, promise of God and that knowledge that God has accomplished, His purposes that He promised to us, and He will finalize those promises when He comes again to receive us into Himself. We'll be together with Him. And so this morning, as we stand, we pray pointed out last time this division of mankind between those that belong in this kingdom of Satan that are referred to as his sons and those of us that belong to Christ through faith in him. We, we are the sons of God. We belong to Christ. And so as sons of God, as children of God, we are, we are soldiers in this battle. And because of that, satan will attack us the church and uh, we we looked at just briefly this attack from without and from within there's there's attack upon the church and all the values that we have in the word of god the doctrine the truths of god's word there's attack upon that the influences of the world around us Um, and so many times you see the church being sucked into the value system of the world uh one John five verse nineteen says, "We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one." And so as he talks about this world, he's talking about the this world system that uh, is is has rejected the authority of God and is in opposition to God. And so we see these attacks. We we see also the attack from within, within the. Within the body of Christ, within our own hearts, there's just there's this battle at times uh, for uh, the believer to follow God or to follow the flesh, uh, to do what we want to do instead of what God wants for us. There's from within the church, there's there's oftentimes immorality, worldliness, compromise with the Word of God, and so that the church becomes. Ineffectual has no light uh, to spread the gospel to the world around us. And so Satan would would influence us, he attacks us in our thinking, in the way we think. And you see that influence being that pressure from the world without to conform us to its way of thinking. It, it gets in. <laughs> it just it's it's relenting. Everything we we turn on, everything we access, the people we are around, it's just coming and coming and coming like the waves of the ocean. It never stops. And um, this is why we're told to stand. Stand against it. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into its mold. This world wants to shape you, Satan. wants to shape your mind, your thinking about everything and especially about the Lord Jesus Christ, what He did for us on the cross, and what that means in our living. But He goes on in that verse in Romans 12, 2, and says, But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so as these ideas this thinking of the world comes we're to test that by the standard of god's word that we might know what god's word is what god's will is and that we can stand upon the solid ground of god's word and so we must guard our thinking by knowing god's word and allowing it to transform us to transform our thinking and change our thinking into god's thinking it's like he uses that word metamorphosis there. In the English word is translated from the Greek word meaning metamorphosis, like the like the caterpillar is changed completely. Our thinking has to be changed. Because we we have grown up in this world, and this world is just changing us. This is always forming us to think like it thinks and to have its values. And so our thinking must be must be transformed by. The living Word of God. You see, Satan wants us to doubt Him, or doubt God, and to doubt God's Word. And so he comes in his trickery, in his subtlety, his trans, uh, transfiguring of what is, appears to be right, but is actually evil he makes it appear to us as good that which is is uh, evil and so we see in particular as we look at history and what satan has been doing we can assume he's going to continue to do that and one of the areas that he has attacked of the the word of god and the truth of god's word is in the person and the work of christ if you go back and look at uh, the church uh, history you'll see that one of the areas that uh, tends to be attacked the most is in the person who he is, in his work on the cross, what he accomplished for us. And so that the person of Christ is revealed in Scripture to us. Uh, he's co-equal with God, the Father, and God the Holy Spirit, this triunity of God. And he's also attacked in his work why he came to earth came as the, uh, as the God-man, fully God and fully man. Amen. He came and lived a perfect sinless life. And he died for us in our place that we by faith could have forgiveness of our sins and have eternal life Amen. in him. See, this is the gospel, the good news. And uh, we must just take it for granted to, because Satan is attacking that truth the person and work of Christ. And so we must stand upon that truth, the one gospel. Uh, You remember Paul was concerned about that as he wrote to the Corinthian church. Uh, And he he admonishes them uh, and he talks to them about his concerns that they would be led astray from that truth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says in verses 2 to 4, For I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. And you see that imagery coming through of the bride of Christ, the church. It belongs to Him and to Him only. And Paul, he says, I'm, I'm concerned about you. He goes on, he says, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you will put up with it readily enough." In other words, his concern was that the church would not be vigilant, they wouldn't hold the ground that they had received in Christ. But if somebody comes along and, 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 and teaches or even believes in these various changes to the gospel, weakening of the view of who Christ is and what he did and, and these other core doctrines of who God is and the spirit of God is, he's, he says, I'm, I'm afraid that you'll put up with it. They won't be that important to you. That you say, oh, well, we are all love God so we can just all have our own ideas. Now on these cardinal truths from God concerning who He is and what He did for us and our salvation, there cannot be any uh, other views that, that we can be tolerant to. And love demands of us that we not be tolerant in accepting any other gospel. Uh, John, well you noticed in that in that passage, um, it, Paul is really concerned about the church and their purity, their pure and sincere devotion to Christ. And, and John's teaching about the, the false teachers in his letter, in 1 John, and he describes them as having this a spirit of the Antichrist. In other words, they were opposed to Christ, The idea of the Antichrist. There is coming a, a singular Antichrist, It's described, but there are many, John tells us, that it will come before him as voices that are opposed to the doctrine of Christ. They are anti-Christ, plural. And John talks about these false teachers in 1 John chapter 4. And he he encourages the, the believers to understand what they have and who they are he says in 1 John 4, beginning in verse 4, he says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. You've overcome these false teachers. And he's going to say why you've overcome them, why you have the victory over them. He says, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We have the Spirit of God within us. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're in him. And so God is in us, and he's greater than he, Satan, who's in the world, who is the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world that we're living in. God, the only true God, is greater than him, and he is in us. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, we can't. We can't imagine that, but that's what's revealed to us in Scripture, that uh, God in us is greater than he that is in the world he goes on to say they speaking again of the false teachers they are from the world therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them we are from god whoever knows god listens to us he's talking about the apostles in other words if you're from you belong to god you know god you listen to The apostles, the apostolic doctrine that we have in the the New Testament scriptures to the churches, he says, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So he's telling them how to know who is speaking the truth and who is false. And he says, that which is revealed to you by the apostles, this is the truth. This is the Word of God, the Scriptures that we have been given. And by that, we know the truth and the error. Well, this apostolic doctrine that we have is our foundation of truth that we can stand upon. And this is what Paul is describing, that we might stand against the wiles of the devil, the, sure, the sure-footed foundation of of the word of God. And so we are to stand upon that truth and not be swayed by the philosophies and the wisdom of man that's all around us. Uh, again, not allowing this world and its thinking to 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 sway us, to move us off of the truth of God's word. And in reality, a person who is you see you see a lot of times personalities that are you can see they're trying to stay in step with the times. They're trying to to, to stay in step or, or to keep in in line with the trends of uh, the thinking of the world. And that person is already out of step with God. They've already departed by the very fact that they're wanting to appease the world and the thinking of the world, and they want to make sure that what they're saying and what they believe is not offensive to the world or it's not outside of the the wisdom of the world, that person has already departed from the truth of God. He's already out of step with God. James warns us about this friendship with the world. Uh, In other words, wanting to please the world and the thinking of the world and the, 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 the ungodly around us. James 4, in verse 4 he says, You adulterous people... Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? In other words, if you, if you set yourself up as a, to be a friend of the world, you, you made yourself an enemy of God. He says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Notice he, he uses pretty plain language there, doesn't he? He doesn't leave any room for, for doubt. He, he calls them adulterous people. And... And he's talking about spiritual adultery because they were unfaithful to Christ and the, the truth of the word of God. And, he, and it's like the message that God gave the Old Testament prophet Hosea. Remember that little uh, prophetic book, Hosea's unfaithful wife, Goma, and uh, how that she would represent the unfaithfulness of the nation of Israel by her immorality and the the image that god's giving there in the prophecies or the condemnation really in this prophet's letter to the nation of israel is that they are like they are like her and god is like the prophet hosea even though in her immorality she left her husband out of grace God went and brought them back. And that's what God does for us. Although we belong to Satan, we've left God, turned away from God, God in His mercy and His grace came and found us where we were and brought us into Himself. And, and, and so we see in this passage in James, He's saying, you're you're living in spiritual adultery because you're not remaining faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're making yourself an enemy. And he warns them that you can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. And so we as the church, we are the bride of Christ And so we must not, we cannot love the world. Our love for the Lord must be singular. We must be faithful unto him. And so again, the admonition comes to us in this passage. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And in reality, if we try to hold the ground in our own strength, we're going to fail. Satan is a powerful enemy. And this whole world system in our own flesh is working against us being faithful and remaining faithful. And so we cannot win this battle in our own strength. We must stand in the strength and the power of God and allow him to empower us for this victory that he has won in, in Christ and this and this truth is not is not new here in ephesians it's really building upon what has already been revealed to us in this letter you notice uh, in verse 10 he says finally he's he's coming to the end but he's meaning more than just this is the last thing i have to say (laughs) he's he's bringing bring it to a culmination here and he's building upon what he's already told if you if you remember go back to chapter 1 in Ephesians chapter 1, and you remember, uh, you remember there that he, he reveals to us this, this God in his sovereign love planned for, he chose us and planned for our salvation. And, we, and, he, and he shows us there how that uh, Christ, he uh, made that a reality uh, by dying for us. And so he he worked it out in time by dying on the cross. And then, and then he shows us that the Holy Spirit of God brings that to us in power, in his power, that we might trust in what Christ did. And so we have this, this plan of God in his redemption. And we see in verse 15, there Paul is praying that that these believers, and that we might know these things, but that we might understand these things. Notice how he says it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart, hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. You could say that he might know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That you might know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. You see the wording there is much like as He talks about this exaltation of Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and He's exalted above all rule and authority and a power and dominion It's the same language that he uses in Ephesians 6. He talks about there's this angelic rule and dominion, but there's also this evil rule and dominion in these heavenly places in the spiritual realm. And (coughs) Christ has been exalted above all of that and he wants us to know among uh, several things he lists there, our hope, the riches of our glorious inheritance in the saints. But notice the last thing he says there, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. This powerful working of God, the same power that, uh, that raised Christ from the dead and exalted him, is at work in us. It was at work in us to, to bring us to salvation, but it's, it remains at work in us that we might uh, live for him. That God is working his righteousness in us Practically. That as we live for him, we can have victory over sin practically in the daily working, living out of our lives. And so we have this truth. And so Ephesians 6 verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Notice that phrase there, withstand in the evil day. And this is a word like day is used. Uh, you have to let the context of the passage interpret for you and help you understand what he's referring to. Because Paul, just previously in chapter 5, verse 16, he used the, the same word in the plural. He says, there that uh, we're to walk in wisdom because the days are evil, evil days. And so he's talking about the, the days in which we're living, uh, the church age, the age since the uh, establishment of the church or these evil days that Satan is busy and he's attacking the church. We live in these days until the Lord comes back, establishes his rule, the days so he's using the plural sense In uh, two timothy he talks about the last days in uh, 2 timothy chapter 3 he warns timothy about the nature of these last days it's again he's referring to this time period that we're living in and the implication is that it's going to get worse there's some in church history that have thought that um, things are going to get better we're going to enter into this kind of a golden age uh, spiritually and we're going to bring in the kingdom but uh, Scripture implies and teaches that um, they're not going to get better. They're going to get worse, in fact. Notice how he, what he says to Timothy. To admonish him to stand as well, he says, but understand this. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self. You see if you can... a description that fits our day better i don't think you will (laughs) he says there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy heartless unappeasable slanderous without self-control brutal not loving good treacherous reckless Swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. And then he then he says to Timothy, in the next few verses, you can conti- but you continue, in what you have heard and seen in me, and in the holy Scriptures, that you have learned from from young, how to be how to, what it is to be saved, what it is to be. A believer in Christ and and so these words are to us this is the world that we live in the days that we live in but you continue continue in the scriptures continue in the apostolic teaching in the scriptures the writings that that was the old testament that Timothy had and that which was being revealed in the, that day through the apostles But here in our text in uh, chapter 6 and verse 13, he uses the singular day. He says, withstand in the evil day. And so he has in mind a specific day or a time of trouble, a time of temptation. Uh, These these are specific times when we must be ready. We must stand firm and hold the ground of our testimony for God and the truth of God's word. and the specific temptations, sometimes we can see them coming, but oftentimes they're like, they come upon us without warning. And we need to be ready. Uh, in other words, we need to be close to God. We need to be staying close to God so that we're ready. We need to be in God's Word so that we're ready. We, we each have our own areas of weakness. And you know, hopefully... You know the areas where you have trouble, where Satan might attack you. There's temptations and anger and doubting of God, immorality or lust of the flesh or resentment or jealousy or pride or, or just whatever it is. Where, where are we likely to be tempted? If you could think about the security of your home. And you can, uh, you can think the way a thief would walk by your house and look at your house. What is he looking for? He's looking for weaknesses, right, in your security. He's looking for windows that are open or maybe there's not a gate there or maybe there's an area that's easy access. And so you can think about your own spiritual life in that way. If you were your enemy, where would you attack you? <laughs> where are the areas in your own heart and life and mind that, uh, that need reinforcement? As you look at yourself spiritually and your ability to stand, where do you need to strengthen up and shore up your security that God has given God has given you the security. He's provided the security bars, the alarm system, the watchdog, whatever fence you can imagine. It's there for us. But we don't always make use of it, do we? We we tend to rely on our own strength. And our own strength is no match for Satan. And so we have the, the admonition stand strong in the strength of the Lord. And so as we think about the areas, maybe, maybe you're not quite sure where you need to strengthen and shore up your security. And we, this is where we go to God in prayer and we, we say, Lord, help me today. Help me to stand firm upon your word and to live out your word and to resist the devil. That's what James 4 tells us, to submit to God and resist devil. The devil, right? But how many times do we get that backwards? How many times do we resist God, what God wants, and submit to the devil, submit to our flesh, submit to the peer pressure that which is around us? James four verse six says, "God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God." Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I often thought about that statement there. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, it it doesn't mean that just because we resist one time that Satan will flee away and won't tempt us again. Remember the temptation of, of Christ was 40 days. Right? And at the end of that Temptation, we see the the three ways in which he tempted Christ. And and Christ resisted him, right? With the the truth of God's Word. And so, the resisting might mean we have to resist for a while. We need to stand firm for a while. He he may leave, leave us in that temptation in that day, but we're still in the evil days. He's going to come back. We're going to we're going to we're going to receive that temptation or some other temptation again. Whether it's through the influence of the world or it's our own weakness of our flesh. And so we need to be standing firm and submitting to the Lord. Notice he continues: draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. In these next verses, he he's really speaking to to the person that. Is in sin and he's not he doesn't think it's too bad. He's not too serious about it. He's making excuses for his sin. And it's it's the, the James 4 context there of people who are who are living worldly. And he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. In other words, he's not telling us that we should never be happy and joyful and that. He's telling us that we're not to be joyful and um, jovial about our sin. But that we're to cleanse our hands and purify our hearts and minds and that we are to Put on the sackcloth in, in, in repentance. He's describing a repentant heart here. And he's to, to, to weep. In other words, we're to acknowledge our sin to God for what it really is. And to have genuine repentance and turn to God. And he, and he brings section to an end in, in verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. And I get this image of the person that he's on his knees and he's humbled before God in repentance. And the Lord takes hold of him. He lifts him up, he raises him up. But as long as we're raised up and we're proud, the Lord says He resists you, He resists me. But when we turn our hearts to Him, faith, believing and trusting Him, repenting of our sins, the Lord lifts us up and He enables us to stand. And we're told to stand, stand firm, and do not turn away. Father, thank you this morning for your Word. You've given us that we can have we can have a relationship with you. We can know the joy and the peace that comes from that relationship with you. But Lord, how often our hearts are tempted to turn away from you, to live for ourselves, to live in sin. And so, Father, we come to you this morning with humble hearts, and repentance of our sins, and dependence upon your power. We might stand for you and live for you. We ask and pray in Christ's name. Amen.